I put myself in a kind of a amusing predicament. predicament. I, uh, I scheduled myself to preach today uh, because this is my next to last Sunday to be w- served here as your rector and retiring a week from now and so on and so forth, thinking I might have something profound to say to you all day, so just in case, I better put me on the schedule. And uh, I don't have anything really profound to say you, to you today, after all. So, <laughs> I'm going to get Tyler or John to come up and preach. And uh, I, I would like to make offerings um, and uh, in the context of All Saints Day and baptism and these uh, profound lessons. And first of all, I want to say something especially to the, uh, the families of the baptized children. And uh, just a very brief thought. This is infant baptism that we honor and recognize in the church. And there are two things about infant baptism. Uh, it obviously is not a faith response of the child. It's not that, because the child is too young to make that faith response. But it is a way of declaring that this child belongs to the Lord and belongs and is a member of the family of God from this day forward. And that is huge. And I, I like the way one person said it once. They said, uh, infant baptism anticipates the arrival of personal response. And what we are anticipating is because these children are with godly parents, godparents and grandparents, we hope, but certainly by the parents who were responsible for bringing them here this morning, um, that they will be raised, and those are the promises being made, they'll be raised in the knowledge and love of the Lord. And so uh, all the ground will, will be laid to enable them to make that personal response. And the respo- personal response is a response of faith. I believe, Lord Jesus, that you are who you say you are. And uh, so we're setting these, these children on a tremendous trajectory um, by belonging to the family of Christ, by teaching and nurture and love and anticipating that somewhere down the road, they're going to give abundant thanks for the birthright that was given to them on November 2nd, 2014. And they will claim their birthright with pride and joy and humility and gladness. So you have your work cut out for you. We didn't ask anything of these children. We asked a lot of the parents and godparents and grandparents. And, uh, and then we just uh, would want to encourage you on your way forward. And look forward to a day when these children at 9 years old or 12 years old or 18 years old or 38 years old will come to that place where they, they have their own heart meltdown. And uh, not only are they belonging, belo- belonging, but they are believing belongers. Uh, and may that day come sooner than later for them. Bless you all. This uh, passage from Revelation um, is this extraordinary visual of heaven's kingdom, of heaven and all her fullness, in heaven in a way that we can anticipate when we arrive there as well. And in the center of all this is, an, is this wonderful, repetitious uh, focus it's about four or five times in this little short passage, the lamb, the lamb. Uh, what a peculiar phrase to have um, or idea to have is the lamb until we know and understand that this is the lamb who was sacrificed, given for the sins of the world. And that this is a lamb who is not a lamb. He is a human being whose name was Jesus, who was a Galilean Jew who lived 2000 years ago and lived a, uh, a pure and holy and perfect life, which deserved no death and no persecution, and yet he got the whole weight of the world's persecution on his shoulders, and the lamb died. 
the Son of God died, even Christ, he died. They were standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb, this great multitude that no one could count. That is great news that it's a great multitude that no one could count. It's a whole lot more than 144,000. That's a symbolic number given of the, 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 the ranks of heaven, of the company of heaven. But the reason I say that it's a great news, a great multitude that no one could count, it says there's a very, very, very good chance that all of us are in and all those whom we have loved and worried about are in and that hell is a very small crack in the concrete down which a few have chosen to live. But the bell, doors of hell are locked on the inside. But there is a wideness to God's mercy as we sing. And there is this great multitude that no one could count. It's our loved ones, those who have gone before us, brothers, literally, and sisters, fathers and mothers, perhaps a child of ours or a child of yours, grandparents, best friends. All these are part of this multitude that no one could number. And they're wearing white robes and they're holding palm branches. And uh, so th this is a picture of, of purity and celebration. Um, and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb. There's that wonderful reference to the Lamb of God. The angels are there. Uh, the elders are there. And this great multitude are there. And they are simply lost in wonder, love, and praise. And some folks worry that that might even be a picture that's somewhat boring and the only way I can describe it to you and give you a taste of what it might be like this celebration, it's like South Carolina or Clemson or the Citadel or Georgia winning the national championship and you are there on the 50-yard line and the, the clock is ticking down in the fourth quarter and the game is over and South Carolina or Clemson or Georgia or the Citadel scores in the final seconds of the game and they win the national championship. Now, I know that's unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> But, um, but how would you respond to that if you are a Clemson, Citadel, Georgia, South Carolina, pardon those whom I've left out, but you get the idea. How would you respond if you were in the stadium, you'd fallen through the whole season, and you've come to the national championship, and the game is won? Would there be some celebration going on? It would be something like, um, amen, praise, and glory, and wisdom, and thanks, and honor, and power, and strength. But here it is, be to our God forever. There's just this glorious celebration of people lost in wonder and love gathered together that they made it safely home from here. Because we were asked, um, when the elders asked John, these in white robes, who are they? He already knows the answer, and, and, and John defers back to him, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. And oftentimes it's, there are lots of different interpretations of what the great tribulation is but i like the one that philip edgecombe hughes a commentator of revelation describes as he says the tribulation is the trials and burdens that we bear in every age and in every generation the trials and tribulations that you experience in life here on earth and this is looking forward to the future and these are they who have come out of this great tribulation and they have found Jesus, and their sins have been washed away. Their robes are made white in the blood of the Lamb. And we're saying, now how can blood make anything white until we realize, as a wise person once pointed out, 
that blood is not only the agent of our bodies for nourishing the body, blood is also the agent that cleanses our bodies. It takes all the impurities from all our extremities and brings it back to the center of the body. So it's an incredible kind of a visual sacramental image of uh, the, the cleansing blood that does precisely that. Um, and this, uh, this insight from ages ago of something that we know now because of modern day science that the blood does cleanse, literally and figuratively and symbolically, the blood of this life offered upon the hardwood of the cross cleanses our souls and our lives. And so there is a great celebration, and this passage concludes, never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. Because this lamb is the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep, as Jesus talks about earlier in one of his stories. The good shepherd is the lamb, and the lamb is the good shepherd and the good shepherd is the one who loves you and embraces you and wants you to get safely home. So this is All Saints Day that we celebrate after All Hallows Eve, after Halloween. Um, we now have our time uh, to really, our time in the sun as the Christian church to say, well, this is what this is all really about. It's acknowledging this great heavenly host, this great company of those who have gone before us and it's a bold declaration that they are there safely. We are not some drop of water absorbed back into some vast ocean of reality or vast ocean of Godhead. There is an individuality and in a particularity to this picture. Uh, Jesus gives other hints of this in his own resurrection appearances, his individual person yet with the wounds being shown to us. And brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but I hope that gives you hope for your life and expectancy, that this is not home. Home is there. Paul is very clear. He says, we're resident aliens here. Home is there. And if you have lost a loved one as we have, or loved ones as you probably have, faith is the assurance that what you cannot see has been and has been fulfilled by Christ Jesus. And they are there, and they're safe. And it's a huge multitude of our loved ones who are safe there. And not only that, uh, there is a seat waiting for us. Uh, it won't ever be too full for us to come safely home also. So All Saints Day, tomorrow we celebrate in a more modest way in our cycle of, of days, all faithful departed. We've heard a vision account of it from the last book of the Bible all to give us confidence and assurance, and best of all, give us peace. Everything's going to be okay in Christ. Amen. Let us stand.